Um, good morning, everyone. I gather you can all hear, and um, yeah, I can go for it. <laughs> Thanks, Ings. Um, so we are in the in. We've started a Genesis series. So some of you would have been here um, at some point. Maybe some of you have followed the whole series. Um, we are in the fourth week, and I just want to recap very briefly. Um, the other three weeks, so just so that we remember, we have to keep on reminding ourselves, don't we? Um, but I guess before um, I do that, um, I just wanted to say that there are so many different ways that we can approach the Word of God. Um, it's a holy word, it's the word that can transform us, um, and I stand up here very humbly and feel very, very privileged to um, be able to just share something of the word with you. Um, my favorite way of looking at the word is that it's actually a love letter from the Lord to each one of us. It's his, um, his to be read as a love letter from someone who loves you more than anyone else. Um, he's written this word to you. Okay, so if, I get, if we get back to the creation series, the first week was Francois which was wonderful, and he spoke about, well, the first few words of the Bible are, in the beginning, God. Um, those are powerful words, and I love the fact that God just simply is. He's under absolutely no compulsion to prove his existence. He just is, uncreated being, in the beginning, God. Um, Francois spoke about the breath and the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters when the earth was formless and dark and empty. And his spirit was hovering, and it's the same word as his breath. His breath hovered, and he created by breathing. He was exhaling, breathing, and creating at the same time. God spoke the world into being. The second week was um, Chris. And he spoke about the light, God creating and separating the light from the darkness, which is a huge, a beautiful truth for us. And we know as Christians and as Bible-believing people, which most of us here would be, um, and we welcome you if you are on a journey of discovering. We are so happy that you would be with us, and we would so love to share our story and our journey with you and the gospel and what has completely transformed our lives so we welcome you here. Um, but that's a very important truth. So God's separating the light from the darkness. We know that the word says the light has overcome the darkness. And I find it interesting that at, um, the day God created the night and the day and that beautiful rhythm of there was evening and then there was morning. But he called the entire day, day. So for example, you don't say man night or sun night. And that might sound very cute to you, but I think there's something very profound about that. It's sun day. The Lord has created a day. His light has transformed us. The light overcomes the darkness. And I think that you can go on a lovely, um, if I can say philosophical, but a biblical philosophical journey. I, I would love to just think through that, what does it actually mean? Why is it called day and not night? Satter day, not satter night. Um, and friends, here yeah, I just want to say how um, I've just a personal testimony. I've been so impassioned to pray in the last year or so. I know many of us have felt that way um, because it just seems like there is so much darkness around us. Um, I'm not sure that there is more darkness in any other time in history. I think the, our problem, our real problem, is sin. That is what separates us from God. But there are tough times, and there's much anxiety around, and there's depression around, and it's tough. And it appears like the kingdom of God is not overcoming, but the word says that it is forcefully advancing, and we believe the word. But it's, it's, it has compelled me into a place of prayer, and I just want to, I, I want to say, Red Point, you are such a blessing to Nick and I, I just want to thank you, just standing in the prayer meeting before this meeting, and feeling, you know, gee, even before a meeting on a Sunday, we call out to God, 
And we are so keen to see his kingdom come as a community. Um, And so that's just a personal testimony from my side. I feel pretty helpless when I look at many situations just in the world, in our own lives, people around us, pretty helpless, but yet we can pray. And um, may we continue that journey, all of us, just to pray. Okay. Chris also spoke about the God of order and rhythms. As we saw, there was evening and there was morning. And that went on and on, evening and morning, the the third day and the fourth day and the fifth day. And um, just God establishing rhythms in our lives, beautiful rhythms. He wants us to live, I believe, with certain rhythms, certain routines. I was thinking of the young people um, getting up and making your bed, (laughs) and uh, just your rhythms of the morning, just a pun for the parents here, (laughs) and, uh, you know, just our rhythms, Um, and then Nick spoke about, uh, he spoke about God creating man in in his own image, which is a massive truth and a massive blessing to us to go on a journey of thinking, what does that actually mean for us and for me personally, us personally? Um, And I loved what he said. He spoke about we are God's offspring. And what is so beautiful about that is that he is close to us because our offspring are so close to us. We love our offspring. We love our children. And they are close. And that truth just carried me. It's been so beautiful. I've just carried that. God, you you are close to me. You're so close to me. You are right here near me. Beautiful. If we can now go to the text for the day, which is, we're starting in Genesis 2. Just the first few verses of Genesis 2. I'll read them to you. And this is what it says. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then he blessed the seventh day, he made it holy, because on that day, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. That is our text for today, friends. There are four verbs that I would like to, as I speak and as I go along, that I'd like to talk about. But first of all, he finished, he rested, he made it holy, and he blessed it. We're going to go into that a little bit more. Um, But what I do want to say here is that God, when he rested, in a sense, he was perfectly happy. I think that is such a beautiful, um, it's such a beautiful truth. God was fully satisfied with the work of creating that he had done. He was fully satisfied, at peace. He loved his work. And um, the sense that you get is that he just, he enjoyed he enjoyed his work, and um, in a sense, he, he caught his breath. He just, he breathed in, and I wanted to bring that in because um, there was a lot of work exhaling and speaking, speaking the world into being, but now, and I think, I didn't have time to research it properly, but I think it's where that phrase um, comes from, where many of us say, I just have to catch my breath. It's been so busy. I just have to catch my breath. And in a sense, I think it comes from there where God just breathed in. And um, we were in Wales at the beginning of the year. And um, one of our Genesis Collective um, leaders made us do a little exercise that I kind of um, rolled my eyes at. (laughs) I kind of thought I haven't come all the way to Wales for this. But it actually was, it was a good exercise. And I, I think physiologically, um, it is good. Where apparently therapists, the new big thing, maybe you know more about it than I do. Maybe it's not such a new thing. But it's to learn, teach people how to breathe properly. Um, it sounds like a very simple thing. But just breathing in and breathing out, we have to learn again because we've been so busy and we're on a treadmill and life is tough and we get anxious and it it, um, constricts our breathing. 
Ings, maybe you would know more about that. Okay. Um, very interesting and a very important point is that this is the first time that a very beautiful word, an exquisite word is used, and it's the word holy. It's the first time in the word. He made it holy. Um, he did not make a temple holy or a shrine holy. What did he make holy? It was, it was time. It was a 24-hour period. He made time holy. And the reason why it wasn't a temple or a shrine, it's because the whole universe is the Lord's temple. We are now today in his temple, in his world, in his creation, to love it and to enjoy it and receive it as, as holy. But he made time holy. Our time given to the Lord, our time living on this earth is holy and sacred. And he wants us to, he wants us to invest in a good way. But he made that day, it was a day lifted above all other days. He said one in seven should be different. One in seven, six days you shall labor. You might not like that. <laughs> I, I was quite, I thought, gee, Lord, that's not that fair. Six days you shall labor and one day you rest. One day will be different. One day I want to bless. One day will be holy. Number seven, we know, is um, a number of fullness and completeness. Um, and it's very interesting to think that all the calendars all over the world are set to a seven-day week. Um, it's universally accepted and acknowledged, and um, God instituted it. Um, every society runs off a seven-day week. Apparently, the French <laughs> had to be the French. <laughs> After the French Revolution, they, they instituted a 10-day week. It did last apparently a decade until Napoleon's time, but then it fizzled out. And I also wasn't able to read too much about it, but apparently the levels of depression rose and uh, suicide rates rose and people just couldn't cope with a 10-day week and they reverted it back to a 7-day week. <laughs> Something very significant... Um, that I want to um, just bring up here is that we are made in the image of God as we heard about last week. And God rested on the seventh day and we are to resemble him. We are to be like him. And um, the animals do not, they, they do not have a day that's demarcated as different. They do have rhythms of sleep and rest and eat, but they do not have six days in one day. And we are not animals friends. We're not animals. We are human beings made in the image of God, full of dignity, full of the dignity of the Lord God who created the heavens and the earth. He has made us in his image, and he rested on the seventh day. In the 1980s, the Japanese invented a new term, and it was called kuroshi. It's, it is called kuroshi. I don't know if any of you have heard that word, but um, it's a strange word. It actually means death from overwork. So what was happening, it was a stock market boom at that time in Japan. And there was a young man in his 20s who was highly venerated. He was um, obviously a stock market analyst or a financial advisor or an investment banker. I'm not quite sure. But um, he worked like a Trojan. And he never took time off. And he, he died at his desk. I think he had a stroke. And um, they termed it Kuroshi. And since then, they have, they have documented numbers of cases, hundreds of cases of people that have, been, have literally died at their workplace. Um, so why am I telling you that? Yes, okay, so China soon followed after that with their word, a Chinese word for the same thing, and um, Korea followed after that, death by overwork. It's just insane hours, intense pressure, and little or no rest whatsoever. And to be honest, sometimes I think that's what our lives do look like anyway. Okay, Henry Ford, This Jesse told me this when I... We had lunch on Friday. Henry Ford is the one that instituted a five-day week. 
And many people thought that this was a very wonderful, he was a man who looked after his staff, he, he was good to his employees. Um, but if you read a little bit more into it, he actually instituted it, do you know why? <laughs> For capitalism. Because one day was a Sabbath and people had no days to go shopping and to buy the things that people were making. And so the one day, so he instituted that day so that there would be one day where people could go out and shop. Um, okay, so we can, we want to understand the Sabbath biblically. This is a biblical church, a biblical house, so grateful for that. And uh, so a little bit of robust biblical theology we're going to do now, <laughs> which really just means um, uh, tracing the Sabbath through the library of our beautiful scriptures. God ordained his love letter to us. Exodus 16 talks about um, a beautiful, beautiful story of the Israelites in the desert and um, God supplying them with manna to eat. And that manna was to be collected every single day, just what you needed for the day. They were disobedient. And um, at times they gathered it for two days, but then there would be maggots and it would go off and it would be a terrible smell. They wouldn't be able to eat it the next day. And um, there, was, there was God implementing on the sixth day, gather twice as much. And funny enough, on the seventh day, that manna was perfect, perfect for them to eat. So they did not have to labor. There were no maggots and it hadn't gone off. So on the sixth day, they were able to, a miracle gather twice as much. That is in Exodus 16. Exodus 20 is a lot more serious. This is where the Ten Commandments come in. And um, we see that this Sabbath keeping, it made the top ten. It came in at number four. Um, aside commandments like do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal. Pretty, pretty, you've got to think through that. I, I, I kind of have to think through that. It sits alongside do not murder. Okay. So this Sabbath law, um, what's interesting is out of all the disciplines, it, there wasn't a law for prayer. There wasn't a law for scripture reading, fasting, but there was a law for keeping the Sabbath. And I'd just like to read it to you right now. Um, okay, so... Exodus 19, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. I love that. I think that's culture forming right there. God wanting to form that into the cultures of the world. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. A difficult story to work through is in Numbers 15. A man was found gathering wood on the Sabbath, and he, it was commanded, the Lord commanded that he be put to death. So there were serious implications in the Old Testament in terms of, of Sabbath keeping. We can also trace the Sabbath through different religious movements. We can think of the Sabbath and what it meant to the Reformers, what were their rules and regulations. We can go to the Puritans, what did they do, what did they... Um, what did they institute? And we can also, the Seventh-day Adventists, are, who are strict Sabbath keepers. Um, but now I want to come to the New Testament. And what does Jesus, what does the Sabbath look like for us as Jesus' followers? This side of Jesus' death and resurrection. What does it look like for us? Um, and now I wanted to say, <laughs> we're going to have a bit of fun. And I'll tell you why. In 1 Thessalonians 3.8, there's a, there's a scripture that actually says um, something like, now we live. 
I think now, yeah, now we live. And I just thought of that as I was thinking. Now we live, and we know an old friend of ours wrote a book on, on, on that. It comes from Thessalonians. And the reason why is because there are so many aspects of Jesus that we all love. Um, and I think a lot of it is, would be based on our personalities. So because I'm a people pleaser and I like to do everything right, <laughs> I love and I find it extremely humorous how Jesus was the antithesis of that. I just love the way he did not care less about what people thought of him and he did not care less for the rules and the laws and the regulations that men put on, on the law. Um, Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. He would never have violated the law. He kept the Ten Commandments. But he did not keep one of the 39. The Pharisees had, given, had forbidden 39 activities you were not allowed to do on the Sabbath. They made it a depressing day. It was a dark day. It was a burdensome day. And Jesus was not going to fit his ministry and his beauty and his life and his love into into their laws and into their regulations. And I just find it delightful, and it makes me laugh a lot. (laughs) A nice theologian said Jesus showed a remarkable freedom. And I thought, oh, that's a nice way of putting it. I kind of feel that he showed a hectic contempt. (laughs) I think it's much stronger than that. He obliterated their Sabbath system. Okay, so it was actually a harmful day because if you think of the man at the pool of Bethesda, he had been an invalid for 38 years. He was the one you all, most of you will know the story. He was the one that couldn't get into the pool because everyone got into the pool, the pool that was meant to bring some sort of healing, they believed. Um, And he couldn't get in because everyone would get in before him. But for 38 years, he had been an invalid. And when Jesus healed him on the Sabbath and said to him, pick up your mat and walk, the Pharisees said to him, why are you doing that? And, you know, it can make you weep if you think you have got the power to heal a man, but he must wait for tomorrow to be healed. In Luke 14, we have a story again on the Sabbath. It seemed like Jesus actually loved to heal on the Sabbath because he was exposing them and exposing... um, What was in their hearts? There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. And he asked the Pharisees, is it lawful to heal on a Sabbath? But they remained silent. They had nothing to say. Taking hold of the man, he healed him. In Luke 6, we hear probably the most famous story of Jesus healing on the Sabbath is... I'm sure you know, something to do with the hand, (laughs) a shriveled hand. Okay, let's read a little bit about it. He went into the, the synagogue and was teaching on the Sabbath, on another Sabbath. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and he stood in front of everyone. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, to the Pharisees, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And he looked around at them and then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so and his hand was completely restored. Praise Jesus. God, praise him. What a wonderful savior he is. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and they began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus and they began to plot to take his life. We see that the Pharisees were strict Sabbath keepers. They missed the whole point of the Sabbath. And as many of you have probably already thought, their hearts were shriveled, more shriveled than this poor man's hand. Healing violated the Sabbath. Go figure. 
in fact, it was exactly what the Sabbath was about, was to bring joy, to bring rest. That was the, the initial creation account. It was, it was a day blessed. It was to rest and to enjoy God and to enjoy the beauty of your surroundings. And for Jesus, he, he just went about doing good on a Sabbath. That was beauty for him. That was good. That was rest for him. He loved that. His reaction, Jesus' reaction, he looked at them in anger and he was deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to them, if you have a child and, he, and that child falls into a pit on the Sabbath, are you going to leave that child in there? And they had nothing to say. In fact, what they did was they plotted to kill him. Jesus' famous words, I am going to come back to the creation account. I am going to come back there to what do we now do with the Sabbath. Um, but I do want to point to the Sabbath rest that we find in Jesus, which is the most beautiful rest and is the true rest and is the true shalom and the Sabbath that Jesus Christ, because of what he did for us on the cross, gives to us every single day. And uh, I do trust that that would minister to us, that Sabbath rest. I need to hear this. My heart is not at rest. It is sometimes, but I yearn for that true shalom. And Jesus is here and he wants to give it to us. If you are a follower of Christ, that Sabbath rest is for you every single day. If you're not a follower of Christ, you will have an opportunity, you have an opportunity today hearing the good news preached to come and to say, I want to, I want to come in and I want to have faith and I want to come into the Sabbath rest every single day, no matter what is happening on the outside of, my, of our world. So he, we, we, Jesus says, on, he says, man, um, the Sabbath was not made for man. The Sabbath, sorry, <laughs> I knew I was going to get it wrong. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made to bless you. God created the Sabbath to bless you. And so the Son of Man, these are important words, is Lord even of the Sabbath. Note here, it's not over the Sabbath. He's not Lord over the Sabbath. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. He is our Sabbath. He is our Sabbath rest. Come to me, Jesus says, to every one of us, come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are burdened, every one of you here today, weary in some way, burdened in some way, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, dear, dear children of mine, dear friends. Dear brothers and sisters, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Would you receive that this morning, friends? Would you receive that true shalom, that true Sabbath rest? In Hebrews 4, it's a very important um, scripture in the light of Sabbath. Um, good for you to go and I can't, you know, we've got a certain amount of time to talk about these things today. It would be good for you to go and read it. But it says, For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Make every effort, friends. I have to make every effort to enter into that rest. Coming to my last point, when God created the heavens and the earth, it said it was finished. He was utterly satisfied with his creation. It is good, he said. It is very good. I'm so happy with it. When do we hear those words? Important words for us as Christ believers, Christ followers, Jesus Christ. They were the last three words that Jesus said when he died. And even if you are not a believer today, even if you are not a Christian today, Jesus was a very important person in the history of this world. Uh, I think every single person would, would accept that and would believe that. 
So his last three words are very important to think about. And his last three words was, it is finished. And so we need to ask ourselves, what, what is finished? I want to take you to John 19. Um, he, had been, he had been put onto a cross um, they had cast lots for his clothing. They had taken, they had shared his clothing amongst everyone. He was naked, we understand, on the cross. Um, he had been thoughtful about his mother, cared for other people. He had already said, um, John, would you take my mother as your mother? And mother, uh, ma- mom, here is, your, here is your son. He had already taken care of that. Um, he had... We know the crucifixion story. Um, and I'm going to pick it up, verse 28. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it. They put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to his lips. When he had received the drink, he said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. In another translation, it says he breathed his last. He exhaled. The work that he came to do on our behalf, the life that he lived, the life that we could not live and that we are not able to live, he lived and the death we are not able to die, he died. And it is finished, friends. And he breathed his last. I think what makes us truly weary is, is religion. What makes me truly weary are the internal struggles inside of my heart. Never good enough. Always having to prove myself. Always feeling like, I've just got to keep going. I've got to prove myself. I've got to be good. I even find myself thinking sometimes, wow, like I'm definitely going to heaven because I do everything that's right. And then I look inside of me and I see see jealousy. (laughs) And I see, I just see darkness inside of me. But it is finished, friends. It is finished. I do not have to perform any longer. I do not have to be good enough because Jesus was good enough. He, in fact, he says, you will never be good enough. You are able to rest now forever. As he rose and as we rise, new creations in Christ, because that's what happens when we get born again. We are new creations in Christ. He says, you are able to rest forever in this new person. You have been found. You have been washed. You've been cleansed. You've been healed. You've been accepted God is satisfied in you. He's satisfied with you. He loves you through Jesus Christ and what he did. I'd love to stop right there, but there is a little bit more that I do think would would just bring um, a breath to talking about the Sabbath for us as a community. And that is Paul. There are some more scriptures in the New Testament. There's Paul who says in Romans, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another person considers every day the same. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Whoever says, whoever, whoever makes one day as special to the Lord does so, does, does that to the Lord. So in a way, he's saying, he's saying, you are not under the law. Um, let us not, later on, he says in Colossians, he says, do not let anyone judge you with regulations to a Sabbath day. So friends, we cannot prescribe a Sabbath to each other. We cannot prescribe what you are to do. But if we go back to that commandment and the fact that the commandments stand to this day, the, the commandment of do not murder and etc. Um, the command, the, the, the keeping of a day that is holy, the keeping, sorry, I'm going to say I believe every day is holy to the Lord. 
every single day that we get to live this side of Jesus' death and resurrection is holy and sacred and to be used wisely, but to rest your body because God blessed it. And he said, if I rest, I want you to rest, um, to rest. And so it's a time really to, to make space. It could, be, it could be an hour a day, perhaps not a whole Sabbath day, an hour a day where you just set yourself apart, just to, just to allow yourself to ponder on the wonder of who God is and the awesome, his awesomeness, his beauty. Ponder on his creation. Ponder on the faithfulness um, of who he is, how faithful he has been to you, the holiness of God. To delight in him. When you give a, a gift to a child, yes, you do want to be thanked. And I've always been such a stickler for that. I want to be thanked. I want to be thanked. Actually, that is good. And we do need to be thankful people. But also, it brings great joy to a parent when they give a, a gift to a child and that child, they watch the child delight in it. Isn't that a thanks enough? And... Um, Matt, I hope you don't mind. <laughs> but when, when Matt was very young um, and we gave him a Spider-Man outfit, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you probably know what's to follow. But that Spider-Man outfit did not leave his body. <laughs> we had to literally tear it off every couple of days just to quickly put it in the wash and then... So that he could wear it to school again the next day and night and day and night and day and night. A wonderful rhythm to his. Um, I also remember when um, one of our kids was given a surfboard by someone gave them their secondhand surfboard. And that surfboard was in their bed every night. And it was just such a joy. It just made us laugh. It was such a joy just to see that appreciation of the surfboard in bed with them every single night. Um, all this to say, friends, is that God wants us to enjoy the gifts that he gives us. He wants us to enjoy, and above all, him. He is our greatest gift. He wants us to enjoy him like a child enjoys a beautiful present. It's a day like we saw with... Um, Jesus, it's a day to do good. If, you, if it's a beautiful um, time for you to make a meal for someone or to pray for someone, just to do good. Jesus saw that as Sabbath. Um, I want to end. I hope that that's given you a fairly broad understanding of Sabbath, going from, our Genesis, from the Genesis, the creative account of God who just wanted to bless us. Um, through the Old Testament, the command of, gee whiz, like if you're going to break that Sabbath, you're going to be stoned. <laughs> through to Jesus, just obliterating the system of all the laws and regulations. To Paul, who said, do it according to what is inside your heart. But I'd like to just read to you, because I think this will inspire you. This is Eugene Peterson. Many of you will enjoy his writings. Um, and this is how he spends a Sabbath. It's just an example. We put it out there. I think it will inspire you. Monday is my Sabbath. Let me, let me just go back and say that he led a church for many years. Um, he's a theologian, a church leader, a professor. He's many things, an author, written many books. Monday is my Sabbath. My wife joins me in observing the day. We make a lunch. We put it in a day pack. Already, don't you already feel <laughs> like you just want to be there and do that? We take our binocs and we drive anywhere to a trailhead, along a river, into the mountains, anywhere. Before we begin our hike, my wife reads a psalm and prays. Then we enter into silence for a couple of hours. Some marriages would probably like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> until we stop for lunch we walk leisurely we empty ourselves but we open ourselves up to what we see flower fragrance and bird song and oaks and sycamores and rain and sleet and 
There's no weather that stops us from enjoying our Sabbath week after week after week. We need our Sabbath just as much as our parishioners need theirs. When our stomachs tell us that it is lunchtime, we pray a prayer of blessing for our sandwiches and our fruit, the river and the forest. We return home in the middle or late afternoon, we putter around, we do odd jobs, we read. After supper, I normally write letters to my family. And that's it. No Sinai experience, no Damascus Road illumination, no Patmos visions, just a day set apart for solitude and silence, not for doing, just for being. We don't have any rules for preserving the sanctity of the day, only the commitment that it be set apart for being and not for doing. I'd love to add to that and and for worship, for worship and for loving God with all our hearts, minds, souls. Could I ask you to stand with me, please? Thank you, Cutty, for that word. And um, I'm sure that every one of us has had, we can really take something away. Can you say amen? We can all of us. Just take something and say, Lord, wow, there's something there, must be something there for me, all of us, from the most chilled to the most anxious. Um, the Sabbath was, was a gift to you and me. It was a, it was a blessing. It was, a, it was meant to heal us and restore us. Um, we often think, you know, if I had more money, if I had what I don't have, Need some space, sorry, Mikey. Um, it would be, but but can you imagine? Can you just imagine this? Just I'm just trying to find my feet here. That if there was a cloud, there was a cloud in the corner of that room there, and that was the cloud of blessing, because that's what the Old Testament was like. There was a cloud, and would you would you hear say, "I want to go into that cloud. I want that blessing." It would be a bit scary because you think, well, what happens in that cloud? I used to be scared of the cloud person because I thought, I'm scared of God, but I want to go into the cloud, but I'm also scared, but I want to go in. And um, The promise of Eden was a promise of blessing. I mean, I mean, Eden was just everything about it was blessing. It was the, it was the, 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 the prototype of ultimate blessing. And so this series is to bring us back to the blessing of God to I don't know if I'm an animal I don't know who my mother and father was I'm confused I'm depressed but rather to say no I'm his offspring and so this series is for your blessing amen it's to bless you and the and the Sabbath is to bless you and I, and I want to pray for some people if I could um, the, it kept, the Lord kept on saying, I will, I will bless you. I will make you fruitful. I will multiply you. There was even everything that, were, that, that associated with God was blessing, blessing, blessing. And um, he says, I'm going to give you a land that you don't have to labor and struggle. I'm going to give you a land that there's vineyards and there's, there's, there's buildings and there's the most amazing things. And so the, the word of God over Genesis is God wants to bless you. Can somebody say Amen. <laughs> That, that it's not just it's not money brothers and sisters it's not the prosperity gospel it's the deep blessing of Jesus it's the inner center of God and we know with Jabez his name meant pain when Jabez and Chronicles there's all these chronicles there's all these lists of all the tribe goes on it's like endless names and then suddenly Jabez and it speaks about this guy whose mother says you are you you you, you brought pain to me when I gave you birth, you brought pain to me. That, that's what Jabez means. It's not a picture of blessing. It's a picture of pain. It, it's, it says, she said, you caused me pain, son. Isn't that incredible? 
And Jabez says this, he says, Jabez cried out to, the, to God, the God of Israel. He cried. So, so when, you, when, a, when the Bible says a man cried, it's not a little prayer. It's, he, he cried, God. He cried out. He said, God. That's what Jabez did. He said, I'm, I brought pain. We had this saying in our family, you're such a pain, you know, like. And Jabez says, it says I was, Jabez's mother named him pain. And in a sense, we all carry some pain from the fall. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Give me spiritual influence. Give me space. I want, uh, all of us want to carry some form out of the Sabbath of, of room. And we want to say, Lord, I, I, I want this ministry, this gift you've given me to go broader. I want to be able to preach the gospel to many. I want to, my business, God, to increase that the people of the church, if everyone came to church, the Red Point people, you wouldn't be able to fill this. We, we, we'd be overflowing into the, the overflow garden. Amen. And we, we, we want increase. We want fruitfulness. We want friends. Amen. We want children's children's children. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. Or let your hand rest upon me. And please, Lord, keep me from harm. That was Jabez's prayer. So that I will be free from pain. And, grant, and God granted him his request. It's out of place. Jabez's prayer shouldn't be in the Chronicles. He's from the, he's from the clan of Judah. And he says, God bless me. Can I pray for you this morning? Surely, brothers and sisters, it could be rest. It could be settled that I'm God's offspring. It could be that there's darkness in me or there's gray in me. There's gray God. I, there's stuff inside of me that I don't like. It could be that, that you're so anxious, you're anxious, anxious, that you don't even know that people run away from you because you, you're so anxious. I know I've suffered from anxiety. Who, who, who wants to go into the cloud of God's blessing? The, the rest, how are you gonna work that and say, Lord, my soul has no rest. How's your husband? Hey, not in a good way, why? He's anxious, he's stressed, there is no shalom. God, I pray. Maybe you, you've never been born again. You've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You say, Nick, I don't even know what light and darkness is. How can I pray for you this morning? What would you like? How would you like to receive? I believe that if you encountered God, even a man of God, that you would be blessed, that, you could, that, that he could pray for you, that you would be blessed, that your life could be changed. I saw a, a picture, it's, a, it's probably not a great picture of a, of a snake shedding its skin. And I just thought, wow, that's like radical. And in some way that actually we shed some of the stuff. And we say, Lord, original intent, Eden, Genesis chapter 1, 2, 3. Please, God, restore it to me. Can I pray? Can you receive this morning? I'm going to ask you to come forward if you want prayer. Just come out of your and come stand here with me. You want press, I don't, whatever it is. If you want to be born again, you come. If you want financial, you say, actually, I, I, I need, I'm going to ask God for fruitfulness. Please come. Come join this brother. Come, come, come. Don't worry about people. It's only 25 past 10. If you, if you want to receive the shalom of God in whatever form, Please come forward. If you want to be born again this morning, you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, please come. If you say there is pain, any form of pain, physical pain, mental pain, come forward, please. If your marriage is broken, come forward, please. There is a, a canopy, there is a cloud. I'm asking God for a canopy and a cloud. If your finances are, are broken and you, you've just never been able to me, you're always on the back foot. Come forward, please. If you want God, you say, Lord, you gave me promises, but I'm asking for my land to increase. That give me a spacious place. Please come forward to receive God's blessings. I don't know what else to say, but I know there's more of you. Come in the name of Jesus.
come in the name of Jesus. If you want to be born again, come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come, 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 come. If you like, say it with Cutty, like there's stuff inside of me, I don't like it, Lord. Come, come. Praise you, Lord. So, Father, in the in the old covenant, when you met with Moses, he went into a cloud. And so, so can I ask you guys to say, Lord, I close my eyes and I want to step into the cloud. There is no cloud today. Jesus has poured out his spirit, but it's a, it's a way of understanding it. He said, I want, to, I want to go with Moses into that cloud. I want to be in the cloud of God's pr- blessing, God's presence, where he separates light from darkness, day from night, waters from land where he brings blessing. And so God, for your precious people up here this morning, for whatever reason they're here, I ask you to bring your blessing. Oh, that you would increase my land, that you would show your favor and your kindness, Lord, to these people in the name of Jesus. For the rest of us, we're just going to lift our hands because when Israel lifted her hands, other people were busy with their hands offering idols. They were sacrificing idols with their hands. God said, don't touch idols. Lift your hands to me. Could you do that with me, church? Could, you, could, could we do what Israel was called to do, is to worship? In fact, when the cloud came, they stood outside the entrance to their tents and they just worshiped. They just stood there and worshiped. Could you do that with me? Could you raise your hands with me? raise your hands with me if not for yourself serve for those up front here saying lord we lift our hands for our brothers and sisters up here those that need you those that need breakthrough those that need life lord those that need a new beginning those that need spacious place lord that anxiety would go and brokenness would go in the name of jesus so we're just going to worship mikey that's good and then we're going to ask god to come and visit his people with blessings and healings and and touching your people, God, and setting them free in Jesus' name.